everyone. We are so excited to have you here for another episode of the People Channel on Connectal. Uh, my partner in crime, Tim McDonald, and I are thrilled to be uh, curating the People Channel to talk about issues that pertain to all of us in the uh, world of trust, uh, which is why we're here today. We, we're going to dive deep into relationships and trust and a lot of different topics. And I am so honored to be part of the Connectal channel with Tim, uh, with the vision and, and leadership of Mara, um, who has pulled this together for us to be able to be here, to really focus on conversations, connections, and circles. And one of the things that we need more in the world is conversations and dialogue. So it's really exciting to be here with such amazing people to dive deep into it. On the Connectal channel, there are three channels. The People channel is just one of them. We also need to look at regenerative economies with uh, where we're headed in our world today, as well as organizational change and organizational design and the structures that need to support it. So um, we're going to be uh, diving into a deep dialogue here. You have a chance to join us in the chat and ask questions and also stay a bit later. Uh, for those of you who are watching a recording, you can reach out to anyone who's here as well to continue the conversation and build trust as you go along. So welcome everybody. We're thrilled to have you here and to jump into this conversation. Um, that's going to be about an hour. Um, it's gonna go by fast because I know we've got amazing people here um, to really dig into it. So what I'd love you to do is introduce um, yourself in the way of like, what does trust and relationships mean to you? And if you could integrate your story into that, that would be amazing. So a non-traditional introduction, please. All right, thanks, Ayelet. Hello, everybody. Well, for me, trust is at the foundation of every relationship and it happens, you have an opportunity to create trust every minute of the day. I think in life, there are trust moments of truth and um, most recently, trust has been central to the work that I've been doing as a result of, of launching a new book called Championing Science. It's a book that my husband and I wrote together to help scientists learn to be better communicators with decision makers, with non-experts. And if there's ever a place where you need to create trusted relationships, it's when you're working with people who don't know what you know and have to believe that what you're telling them is true. So. I'm living and breathing trust every day just for fun. I look through the book and of the 225 pages, there are 25 pages that mention trust and trust building and relationships. So, you know, I, I see trust as a communicator, which is what I've been my entire career, working a lot with scientists and technologists. I see trust as, as the root of getting things done in the world. In my world, um, I frame trust as at the team level where we're, we're building, and in that context, we call it psychological safety, uh, where we're, we're extending trust to, uh, to each other um, and, how do I frame this? Um, can I be vulnerable with you is, 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 is the primary question. And uh, can I rely, can I trust that if I bring my whole self to work, that um, I won't be penalized or reprimanded or uh, looked down upon by my peers uh, for, for, for just being real, for being me. 
And that only comes into play when I have a, a, a level of trust at, at, uh, at, at, at scale with my team. Well, um, I, I've been in, uh, involved in what people often refer to as B2B uh, since the 80s. And so I've always been um, very focused on relationship when it comes to business. So when social media started really getting popular in the early 2000s, um, I created a series of practices and tools to use digital platforms to, to build trust and to build relationships. So I just mentioned that because it's really the foundation of my business in a very explicit way. And surprisingly, I found that many best practices you read about in HBR and stuff like that are really destroy trust. So uh, I have a kind of a kooky uh, understanding of it uh, that I've learned through doing ethnography on people. I, I think, you know, it's pretty interesting for me because I think I've always found it easier to trust other people than myself. And that is, I think, it brings me back to something that I learned in CERT, which here in the States is the Community Emergency Response Team. And I, I went for training on that. And they always explained to me, when you see these houses, and even if you haven't lived in a, in a hurricane or, or mudslide or fire area, where, but I'm sure you've seen those fluorescent paint X's on the, on the outside of the house. And what that is, is a designation for first responders to understand if one, the, the structure is safe to enter, two, if they are any bodies that were in there. Um, and I forget what all the numbers and everything and the symbols are, but it, it basically tells a responder whether it's safe to enter that structure. And the reason why that's important is because if they go in and get killed or injured, they're unable to perform their duty. And it's so important to be able to take care of yourself in order to be able to take care of others that I started applying this to what it meant to be able to trust myself. And it's allowed me, I think, over the years to trust myself to leave jobs that weren't um, fulfilling or, or purposeful to me. It's allowed me to not have to take jobs when I didn't have a steady stream of income. It's helped me be able to reach out and help people that I feel connected with in a way, even when I don't have the financial means necessarily to be able to, to do that, or most people think I would be crazy for doing what I'm doing when I help people in that way, because I trust myself enough to know what I'm doing is the right thing. And, and so trust is just, I think, a core essence of, of who I am and what I've become, and I think what I'm still evolving to, to be. I like what you're saying, Tim. I think that trust is something that really ties back to being true to yourself and understanding your own values and how you show up in the world. And in order to be a trusted person in other people's lives, I think they need to see the congruence between how you show up, who you say you are, what you do, and what you say is important to you. So all of those things in my mind are, are really fundamental. And I think it plays into what you were talking about too, Brian, you know, in terms of being able to be yourself at work. I think when we can feel confident, confident in who we are and comfortable being authentic, it helps to breed trust. That's uh, one of the, the things I love about uh, my work is that um, 
I get to mentor people on how to get comfortable in public. You know, in social media, uh, when you're interacting in public, uh, people tend to be very uncomfortable if they are, they're just afraid that they're going to look bad and it's going to be a big splash and all those things. So, um, yeah, I just love that um, helping people to get comfortable. I found it very interesting, uh, your um, take on um, being willing to leave a job just because it wasn't fulfilling. So um, I, I think that uh, that is a, a, an increasingly rare uh, uh, posture to take because a lot of people think that, well, work, work is supposed to be work, right? It's supposed to hurt some, a, a little bit. If I don't sweat, it's not work. Um, and the, the notion that, that you're, you're, you're trusting yourself, that I, I think that's also reframed as uh, self-compassion or personal integrity um, in, in the sense of, of being true to yourself. Uh, but uh, that's, that's a, a, re a remarkable ability that someone has to be able to, to, be able to say that um, this, this job isn't working for me, even though it pays well, it, it's just not, it, it's not um, satisfying me uh, personally. Yeah, it's, I think you're one of the few people, Brian, that's actually said that in that way to me. So thank you, because it's not easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I can laugh, I can smile, I can be a positive person, I can come across as a guy who's always, you know, everything's going the right way for, but you know, the you know, it's, it's, a you know, I think trusting yourself is a pretty lonely place. And it's, it's really one of those things that you really get to, I mean, when you say, you know, you got to sweat and you got to work, right? I think there's sweat and work in trusting yourself. Because it is something that puts you in such an uncomfortable place to be able to fully trust yourself in a way that we can show up as who we are that that is the work, that is the effort, that is the sweat that I'm putting into this. It's just not maybe the way that most people equate it, which is I need to big, big, build bigger muscles and I need to you know, climb the corporate ladder and I need to, to work my, my way up that way or, or sweat my, my equity into what I'm doing or hustle. It's not about those things to me. It's about, it's really the trust, but it's no different, I think, in the process that we go through emotionally and physically in our own bodies as far as what that means and the effect that it has on us. Now, I'm really curious about how do you know when you're trusted? What are your thoughts about that? When you are trusted as an individual, when you're trusted as a, as a team or an organization, how do you know that you have trust? What does that look like? Well, I can, I can respond to that. Um, whether it's online or face-to-face, -face, it's, it's uh, the signs of increasing trust include risk-taking. And typically the way it works is kind of like a dance where I might throw out something that may be uh, showing vulnerability to you and the way that humans usually work is that is an unconscious dance so that you're going to be more likely to throw out something in relation to that. And, and, and Tim, uh, thank you for 
bringing up uh, about trusting yourself because that's something that, um, that shows vulnerability. And I think that was a really good example of that. So I think that's, I'll put that in and pass it, the, pass it to someone else to suggest something. Well, I, I like the way you framed that, Chris. It, it's, it's very much, it, it sounds like it's very much a tension between um, a, well, taking risks, as, as you say, or, or, or being vulnerable and, uh, um, and trust, but it, it, or, or maybe it's between trust and fear. Um, that um, when I, if I'm acting out of fear, I, I'm not taking risks. And if, if you can see how people are interacting with you and, and what stance they're taking, are they being protective or are they actually um, not, not, not being courageous but being fearless? So they, they, they have no reason to be afraid of you. And, you know, body language is also a dead giveaway. I mean, you know, everybody knows the term, but it just blows me away at how revealing it is and tone of voice. It's just, um, there are all these little signs that, that you can get. And, and again, uh, often this takes place in larger than, than uh, uh, groups than two people. And that whole dynamic is different. Um, and, and if I want to, I think the best thing in a group is to model trusted behavior. And uh, again, to, to bring back Tim's comment, um, let's say um, my team is not going to make a certain goal, and I'm going to bring in my fear around that. And when I take a risk like that, that is an invitation. It creates a space for other people to vo voice their fears too. And by doing that, you can build trust within the group. I, I've seen that in many, many situations and, and where I know that trust exists, people are willing to give each other feedback, really, really willing to dig in and, and be constructive and supportive as team members. I think you see trust when people are unified around a goal and when they can move fairly quickly to get things done. You know, in the absence of that, there's a lot of double checking, a lot of micromanaging, people looking over your shoulder to make sure that you're doing it the way they want them want it done and in trusted relationships, it, there's an unspoken ease that enables people to interact in ways where they can be their best selves, they can be their most creative. So you really, I mean, it's like everything's humming when, when trust is rock solid. The other way that I know trust exists is when people are comfortable confiding in others about how they're feeling. So your point about fear is exactly right. If you, if you can say what you're really thinking and feeling, you're in an environment where you feel there's trust. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing when it happens. And it takes work. I, I was going to say, when you, were, when you were talking, Amy, about just how everything just works and it just hums along, right? And I'm like sitting here as when I first asked that question, I'm sitting there going, I just it just happens, right? It just, it's like, to me, it's just like, I just assume that, that other people have it of me and I have it of them until it's broken. And to me, that's like the way I just live life. And 
I, I just, I was like, I'm sitting here thinking, like, what does that question mean? Because I don't, <laughs> what do you do to get it? I just, you just show up, you know, I, you just be you. And, and that's all, <laughs> I mean, that's how I live. And so I guess when you were saying that, I'm like, oh, finally, that's what I can relate to. It's just that humming along and being there. And, and I am, I mean, but it's, there is those moments though where it gets broken and it can happen. I think to, to Chris, your point, you know, sometimes it's just that body language. Sometimes it's that that verbalization in in a tone. I mean, there are so many ways where that trust can be broken. But I think it's there, you know, unequivocally for however long until it's broken. Well, I think certain people approach life without being trusting. I know some of those people who would rather do it themselves instead of go out to an expert because they've been burned before. I mean, I, I it's lovely to hear that your life experience enables you to approach people with a, a sense of trust from the beginning. I feel that way too. Um, and I try to cultivate that in relationships by being my genuine authentic self and also being really clear about my intention. I think when people know what your intention is, they lose the assumptions that sometimes erode trust. So I think that ability to be explicit helps create trusted relationships, particularly in the workplace. I think, I think this is a really important because if we go to the macro level and you searched on trust, you will see year after year for probably the last 10 years, trust um, is at an all time low in the world, um, in, in every institution that's out there, you know, from, from, from for-profit, non-profit, um, media, there's, there's, a, there's a crisis in, in, in trust. And for me, it's not just trust, it's leadership. You know, it's about being able to walk the talk and not just talk. Um, and, and being able to be true to what you're putting out in the world. And every year, it's kind of interesting, the study comes out and I look at it and I'm like, okay, like we talk about it and we're reporting statistics, but w what are we doing about it? And, you know, uh, burnout has just been uh, put as a mental health issue um, uh, out in the world in the United States. And we're seeing more and more people um, suffering through their jobs and looking at organizations. We had a couple of questions that I'd love to put uh, from people participating in this. Um, they posed a couple of questions that I love to, to talk about. And one is, you know, with all the organizational change that happens with layoffs, with reorgs, um, you know, when I, when I worked in corporate America, I had 11 managers in about uh, 14 years and some of the jobs I had for three years. So like reorg was just okay. Like, how are we changing the seats at, at the table now? And so when we start looking at, you know, trust at that level of somebody who goes in day in and day out to, to a job um, and they don't know who to trust anymore and they're not trusting the messaging that's coming across, um, how, do you, how do you navigate that? And what do you have? Um, you know, Connectal for me is a place to talk about reimagining work. So what kind of world do you want to see at work where it is trusted and what are the shifts that need to take place? I know that's a mouthful, but I'd love to spur the conversation and get like your different perspectives on it because it's something that keeps me up at night quite a bit. Trust is definitely not the default stance. Uh, Tim and Amy have both, they have a remarkable ability to, to extend trust, but it, it, with the teams that I work with, um, if 
if a new team gets together, either there's a change of leadership or, or a team is, 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 is reorganized, there's a default stance of, I don't know you, you might be a threat to me. Let's, let's uh, talk to each other and, and, and get to know each other so that uh, we figure out how, what a relationship is going to be like. And it's, it's very much a part of a Tuckman's uh, forming, storming, knowing, performing model. Uh, when teams are newly formed or reorganized, they're, they're polite, but uh, once they get past the politeness into the storming phase, then they're 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 jockeying for position. Uh, can can you uh, see me as an authority in this space? Um, uh, is are you going to take what I say seriously? Uh, and, and that's for everybody on the team. It's it's they're they're trying to figure out what is my position in the team. So they have to get past that before they can start building a sense of trust and and getting to the the norming and performing stages where it's it's the, the team can actually take off. So. Um, I, I think that the the lack of trust is more the default position when it, when a team is newly reorganized, uh, and it, it takes work to, to cultivate that sense of, of of psychological safety, as we call it. That that makes sense to me, and I think people come with reputations, and they either have credibility and are known as people who you know get the job done or not. And there are so many different dimensions that play into that role clarity having a common goal, you know, I think to your question, Ayelet, you know, to try to shift things in business, I think we need more leaders who really understand all the dynamics you've just spoken about, Brian, and they know how to come in and create conversations and get people connecting, understanding the fact that as a new team, they have work to do to really figure out how to, how to form and be able to, to be productive together. And it sounds like that's the work you do, which I can only imagine is is a great challenge and super rewarding when it when it all starts to, to come together. But I think back to the many years, I spent 20 years in corporate America before I started consulting. And a lot of my work was on organizational change and change management and helping leaders understand if you're gonna make it through a change and keep people productive and willing to, to support you and do the things that you're hoping to enlist them to do, you've gotta be willing to talk about what's going on. You've gotta be open. You've gotta tell people what you know when you know it. And I've watched so many leaders so hesitant to do it because they don't have all the answers. And that mindset shift I think is absolutely critical for those kinds of transitions, especially when you're applying things like agile and other new tools and approaches to, to boost productivity. I completely agree. Getting a, a, a leader to be able to say, I don't know, it is a, that's a major milestone. It, it, mm -hmm. To be able to, 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 to say that, or to, to confess that, that level of, of ignorance or, 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 or lack of power. They, they, they don't have all the answers and the best leaders are able to say that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, one thing I have discovered, um, and it's a, a kind of a unique environment in a digital public, um, is that people in general are, um, are very forgiving uh, with someone who speaks the truth. And truth has not come into our discussion yet, and I want to bring it in because it's underlying trust. Are you being truthful about what you know or what you think or what you feel? 
and people will use their gut feeling and their 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 more animal kind of instincts to to adjust their trust meter and i've i've reviewed a a, a paper on the triune uh brain uh model and um and one of its um one of my assertions is that um trust building is based in the reptilian and limbic systems so it's nonverbal, and uh the problem in modern business is that people think they can talk their way into trust and all of that and it's just not going to happen but truth telling is one of the things that has to happen for trust to to even be in the picture so how do you know when someone's telling the truth or not you don't always um very often however if you're astute there are tells when they're being dishonest or think they're or feel that they're being dishonest but you just don't know the thing is though that that there is a thing called truth and people know when they're lying and over time you can watch that are their interactions and you can you can out them i don't mean literally but within your own mind you can you can sniff them out yeah eye contact can give it away and just how people move and shift the changes in in posture oftentimes are are revealing about whether or not somebody's being being truthful or being comfortable in what they're saying um so it's yeah i think that that you can you can sense it and see it i also think that um the it, people have been trained to try to connect with other people by by really mirroring what they do and when people are doing that as a technique instead of being in a conversation with you in a genuine way it's over pronounced it's a little bit mimicked and it's a sales technique and you know we all know that salespeople can be uh, considered shifty and the shifty eyed salesman is exactly the point I'm making and there there's those nonverbal behaviors that that do give it away. Well, I think this will be the first time in my life I will ever say I'm going to quote Dr. Phil. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but he, I heard about uh, uh, Joe Rogan's podcast um, not too long ago and I might be getting the numbers wrong so but the point will be made is that he used to work I think as an investigator and what he was able to, to be able to tell is the human brain can process something like 10,000 thoughts a minute, but you can only speak about 120 to 150 words a minute. And so people that take time, even if it's just seconds before they start talking, or if they're, if they're not going in a clear path, what that does is enables you to be able to see whether there's truth in there or whether they're trying to conceive what you what they think you want to hear and it was pretty interesting that he could always tell or 99 percent of the time could tell if somebody was telling the truth just by how long it took them to respond to questions now obviously when you're sitting in front of an investigator it's a little bit different situation than when you're sitting across the table from a coworker. But I think there, there, there's something to, there that I think we can all probably learn from as far as 
you know, how are we showing up? Are we just, are we talking what's coming from our heart or are we talking what we think in our head the other person wants to hear or the other person is going to look at us in a higher regard because of what we say? I, I think that that, that, that I, I, I mean, what, what you said earlier, Tim, really resonated with me. You know, I, I just, I have so many threads open. I just can't possibly manage lying because I just can't remember anything that's not the truth. So I'm, I'm just going to, but, but, but what the point I want to bring out is let's say that we're having a conversation where coworkers and I'm saying something I think that might be uncomfortable to you. And if I were being the more corporate type, I might like tell a white lie to make you feel good. Right. Instead of that, what I would do is I would say, well, this is where I see it, and it may not be comfortable to pre-acknowledge uh, my empathy for what I imagine you might feel or think. And, and, and when I do that, th that creates space for you to say, wow, I'm really not comfortable with that, or what have you. It's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at um, our conversation and, and really curious about the trusted relationship piece of it as well. Um, because it's, I think like Tim, what you were talking about was you've got to trust yourself. And I think um, from the time we're kids and we're conditioned and socialized into society, we learn to trust others before we learn to trust ourselves. And, 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 you know, getting back to understanding and self-awareness around that becomes really important. And relationships have always been a lot about relationships with other people. And looking at it in a different way is the relationship with yourself as well that builds the trust to go out there. And there's a lot out there talking about trusted relationships. And I'd love to know kind of what you're thinking about um, and examples and stories about trusted relationships. And, and Chris, I, I, I'm not sure everybody knows what public digital is. So when you talk, maybe you could tell us a little bit about, you know, what, what you are referring to, just so we all have a common language. But really about the issue of trusted relationships, because, you know, when I look at this question and I see um, empowering, I always think like, why am I giving my power away to someone else? Why can't I show up as, a, as an employee and a person and have a voice and have my power? Why am I waiting for the organization to empower employees? And when I reimagine the, the future of work with, with so many generations there, looking at the trust aspect of, of people taking their power back, I think there's a long road ahead so how do we how do we like create some havoc here? Well, trusted relationship. Uh, I mean, I've been head of marketing in several B two B companies, and so I've worked very closely with salespeople. And unfortunately, in my, in my I've not studied this, but but just it, the trusted relationship is really trying to imagine how to win back what we've destroyed by selling. Um, and selling, I mean that in the traditional pejorative term. Um, and so the fact that we even have to call it a trusted relationship shows that something is wrong with the picture. And uh, I think, um, so 
every, in my opinion, the way I conduct myself, um, every relationship is trusted. Um, or my goal for it is to increase trust or to end the relationship. If I don't want to, to increase trust with a person, that means I really just don't want anything to do with them. Uh, because everything that we do, every gesture, every word increases or decreases trust. So, um, so that, that, that is, that gets to, to part of your question. I'll pass it on to, uh, somebody else for the others. Well, well, to me, trust, there's a foundational principle for trust and it's pretty simple. It's, it's doing what you say you're going to do. It's that consistency that lets me depend on you. And I think if more people just applied that concept, and it also applies to self-trust, right? Because, you know, depending on, on what your growing up experience was, you may not have had a lot of opportunities to try things and experience that sense of success that breeds self-trust. But over time, if you set goals for yourself and you continue to move in that direction, you can trust that you're gonna take care of yourself and meet your commitments to yourself. And when you do that, I think it becomes something that you can bring to, to all of the relationships that you have. And I, when you were talking about stories, I was thinking back to a project I did um, with an organization called FirstNet, which was trying to stand up the first wireless data network for all the public safety personnel across the country. And Tim, your earlier conversation about CERT reminded me of it. And it was a really interesting trust exercise because you had all these different factions coming together and you had the wireless telephone companies playing a key role in helping to design this network. And you had all the public safety people not entirely trusting them, thinking that what they were really after was a way to make AT&T more money or some of these other big carriers. So I've lived through, through those dynamics and I've watched what it takes. And we had a guy, um, in fact, part of the story is in the book, we had a guy, Jeff Johnson, who really understood those dynamics. And he spent a lot of time talking to stakeholders and getting real. And it does go back to empathy, really recognizing what people are feeling and what they likely believe so that you can address that in a way that gives them a sense that, that you're listening, that you care, that you're connected, that you understand the lenses they're looking through. So I think all of those pieces come into play when you're trying to create trusted relationships. And then you have to deliver. You have to do what you say you're going to do. And we have an opportunity every day to do what we say we're going to do. I, I let the, you mentioned um, uh, empowering teams and, and, and how in the dynamic of, of um, coming to work and um, expecting to be empowered, I think is, is, is the way you framed it. And um, uh, sometimes that, that, that power is available and sometimes it's, it's, it's taken back. And I, I think that that's, that, that's a, a fundamental question that, that comes up with, with, with the, the, the leaders that I coach that um, uh, they, 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 when they look at how can I make my team more effective, uh, or how can I build psychological safety, which is the, the what we see as the foundation as uh, for, for for building effective teams. They um, they will often ask um, on top of that, um, how can I get my team to tell me the bad news first? Because I I really want to I really want to know I want to hear it all. I want to hear the bad stuff. Let's lead with that. 
Um, and they don't often don't see that. Well, that means that you have to model that by leading with the bad news first when you're talking to them. So it's, it's, it's very much a, a, a sense of if you're going to empower them, you're going to trust them to be able to handle the bad news and not try and either protect them or protect yourself. This, this psychological safety, or is that what it is, right? It, yeah, we, 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 we take that term from um, Amy Edmondson and, and her research at, at, at Harvard Business School. Uh, she, she kind of fr uh, framed the whole psychological safety model and, and, and the work I do is, is, is built heavily upon that. So I'm just curious because, I, I mean, it's like the, I, I'm not overly familiar with that, but as you talk and I'm hearing you, what I'm hearing is you're basically removing the, the fear from a lot of the people on your teams. Uh, Yes, but I, I don't. I, I don't focus on that. I, I focus more on on how do we uh, cultivate the the kind of culture that we want to work in, and and I, I, so I, I try and look at it from a, the positive perspective rather than than negating the negative. Oh no, no, it's not a problem. I'm just like I'm totally fascinated with with fear right now. So I'm like I'm I'm not I'm not saying it's negative. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just like I'm really curious about how this ties into that. But you know, it's interesting because when you know when Ayala brought up this question and she brought up being a kid, the first thing that was going through my mind was an example I had when I was in my early twenties about working at a company and we went through a a, a merger, and I was in a you know, just starting to climb my position from entry level to being a manager. And I had one person working for me, my first ever person working for me. And, you know, everybody in the company was so nervous about what was going to be happening or was their job going to be safe? What was going on? And I, this, this is what was going through those 10,000 thoughts in my mind when I was formulating what I was going to say was maybe I was just naive, right? I didn't know any better. So I encouraged this other person to see this as an opportunity for us and what we could possibly do. But then I started going back to when I was a kid playing and I was naive then because I didn't know that there was people that I couldn't trust. And so I trusted almost everybody, right? The kids in the neighborhood, the, you know, the, the parents that, that were around our, our, our houses, you know, we all could go over to their house. We could, you know, go out in the yard and play. We could go out in the street and play. It was, it was that trust that was built because we didn't have a fear of what could happen. We just had the opportunity of what was possible. And I think if we start looking at that, I'm not saying I have all the answers, and I think you're trying to do this work, Brian, it sounds like you are, is if we could start creating that atmosphere where there was built-in trust, that we didn't have fear of anything happening, that we could actually go out with a sense of opportunity and enjoyment and play and fun. Imagine what work would be like. I can't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I, think, I think people are finding their way to that. I think one of the reasons you see people partnering and doing really creative things together in new ways, and, and maybe the, the place for this is not corporations, but I, I really see an energy toward trying to do exactly that happening in the world. And it's delightful to know that corporations are trying to make it better too, because I, I fundamentally believe that's gonna be a win for everybody. I mean, I think for, for me, work has always been a joy because I love what I do and I figured that out really early in my life. And so it's never been a, a question of pursuing something um, that, that didn't inspire me, but I think 
being working with people I trust has given me room to do my best work and, and to have relationships that are sustained over time. And that's where real magic happens when you can build on something over a long period of time with people. Absolutely. You know, um, this reminds me of um, you know, the focus of my, my, my work is uh, what people are increasingly call customer experience. And basically, um, mostly people hire me, uh, CMOs or people in charge of marketing. They want to increase revenue. But here's the thing. It's not very effective to try to increase revenue. It's much more effective to build relationships with people whose needs correlate very highly with your services or products. But this is, this is there. This is, I call this the leap of faith or the leap of trust. Maybe is that if, if, if we put our customers first and not in language, but I mean, when the shit hits the fan, we put them first, they will, overwhelmingly reward us with their their admiration and after admiration comes preference and, and etc and uh to be more specific about that how often i challenge everybody to think back to the last time when a provider has disclosed something that would enable you to hurt their revenue in some way. For example, well, you know, the return period is passed, but you know, I, I'm pretty sure we can get this done for you. Um, and that is, even that they want to try, increases my trust in them. Um, and and, and I, even if it's a person in front of me, then um, that rubs off on the company that that person works for. And so, of course, what, what I have discovered how to do is to have these, these interactions in digital public, which I call digital public, all kinds of social media platforms or anything that's peer-to-peer, -peer, that's where many-to-many -many people are talking and interacting other people observe that and you're not giving happy pictures on your website. You're actually helping people. You're empowering customers to do things. And maybe our product or service failed for that, that customer, but we're not interested in, in, uh, in looking good or bad. We're interested in helping them get done what they wanted to do. You know, so it's you interesting. Empower customers. It's interesting you say that, Chris, because you know the first thing that popped into my mind when you asked that question, what was the last company that did that? It was Amazon. But then I started thinking about it. And as somebody who has an e-commerce business, not on Amazon, but um, that has an e-commerce business, I also know people that sell on Amazon. And the people that Amazon is getting the good rap for having such great customer service, taking anything back, even if it's outside the period, not charging you the, well, now they're starting to charge shipping fees and banning people. But, but you know, that can be at the expense of the person that you don't see who has the business, who's selling you the product. 
and it's not the company that's providing that service and for their at their own hit they're doing it at somebody else's hit even though they're presenting it as that way and so i think it's it's very i think we need to be very cautious of just stating that we trust those people because they're doing those things because i think it really comes down to the person and and not the brand I think it really gets down to what you just said about what the digital public was, right? It's the peer to peer. It's not the, the company to the person. And about I don't know if there is trust between company and are there? <laughs> Chris, you reminded me of, of, of something that, that uh, a, a frequent conversation I have with, 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 the, with uh, some, some corporate executives is uh, they're, they're giving a, a, a speech that is intended to inspire the, the, their their, uh, their their division or, or, or their or their, their their teams at large, and they speak in terms of 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 the goal of increasing revenue, and they don't speak about the the, the goal of delivering value to the customer. When the increasing revenue is a side effect, the what what inspires people is I want to serve the customer. So there, these executives are, are responsible for the people who are actually doing the service and, and, and delivering the value. By if they would speak to the, to that desire to deliver more value or deliver better value, the the revenue the, the flip side of that is the is the value comes back. So that that's what commerce is it's an exchange of value back and forth. And if they are always focused on the, the revenue side of it, that doesn't inspire the teams. So it's absolutely. it's- Absolutely, I see that all the time. And when I think, and when intent comes from a place of contribution, it's so much more purposeful. And I think people get behind having a sense of purpose and making a difference. And in working with scientists, I see this all the time, you know, especially in the biotech arena where they're trying to develop new drugs to, you know, in the case of a particular company I work with, um, to bring um, a solution to folks with sickle cell disease. And, and everything that's motivating action there is around changing the lives of patients. And that frames things in a whole different way. And I think motive, the right motives engender trust. When we see people working for the greater good, and when we see leaders talking about aligning around efforts for the greater good, that immediately starts to tug on our trust heartstrings. And I, I think it's a really vital part of leadership. Absolutely, and I think that you know, this is a really important piece of leadership because it's not, I agree with you, when you put your customer first, Chris, it's really important. But when you put your people first, that's even more important because then your customers um, drive a lot of it. And, you know, I, I coming, coming from a, a corporate world, what I've seen is a lot of times where people um, looked at things in a different way, but they had to talk about the way that the company was. So what happens when leaders and, and you know, with, with, with technology, which I love, um, we get information now from multiple sources and people are getting information about companies in, in different ways. And what happens as a leader, if you don't, if you're starting to see the company maybe polluting an ocean or, or doing things that you don't agree with, um, and you're towing the company line and there's a trust issue and, you know, you're told that you can give your feedback, but then, you know, there's repercussions if you do. I mean, these are the realities that we're seeing in many companies that people are challenged with, which is why one of the, 
probably a million reasons why there's so much burnout uh, in the workplace today around the world. So what are your thoughts about, you know, how do you build trust as a leader when you sometimes are challenged in, in that position to tow the company line and, and also to, to be more people oriented? Um, you know, I, I was in an, I was in a ride sharing yesterday and I was, uh, the woman driving me, you know, just quit her job after 15 years in human resources. And these are the questions that we were talking about, uh, during the trip, um, because she lost the trust in the leadership and she felt like there was nowhere to go. And all she was doing was, was advocating for the company from a legal perspective. So how do we bring humanity back into this? Because I think that's what we're talking about when we're talking about trust and relationships? Well, here's a real opportunity because, you know, uh, in large organizations, um, we all know that they're very networked and we can practice uh, truth telling. And um, truth telling is, um, look, I don't know. This is what I know. This is what I don't know. And we need, I feel like we need to make a decision or take some action based on the best knowledge that we have right now. And that may change by tomorrow, but just being voluntarily vulnerable with what, what, what you know and what you don't know. Even in a large corporation, you can do that within a team. And humans um, are very resourceful. We're very aware of social context. So we might not be truth telling in a department uh, group because there's not, we don't trust them, but within our team we do. And, and, and that, that, um, that's a golden opportunity for anybody on this call is you can start practicing that with whatever size group of people and you can create safety zones, safety groups. We, we do this inherently. So uh, I want to put that out there as, as a way of hope and, and, and to empower everybody on this call because it can be done. Well, I, I also I, think that you've got to be willing and brave enough to also reflect what you're hearing from your people and reflect your concerns on up through the organization to call attention to where there's a gap and what's leaving people feeling the way that they are. I think it's a difficult position to be in as a leader but you know in order to really build trust with your own people they have to feel you're willing to represent their concerns and issues and those are the kinds of hard conversations that a lot of people aren't well equipped to have in business and it's great to know that there are people who are in those roles of trying to help facilitate that because i don't know part of me says sometimes you just have to walk away when there's nothing you can do to change the mindset at the top um, and you're being asked to do something that doesn't align with your integrity. I've, I've walked away from companies for that reason. I was in PR early in my career and I was working for a company that made T1 multiplex products and they were continuing to be late in delivering a product and they were starting to want to tell stories about what was going on that weren't true. And my integrity was at risk. And I knew that in my profession, if, if I didn't walk away, then I would be ruining my reputation. And it didn't feel right to me to try to tell a story that I didn't believe in. So I think as individuals, you know, we have to, we have to be courageous and we have to be willing to look at how much impact we can have. And sometimes we have to be willing to walk away. 
Ayala, you, you used a, a, a magic phrase, a buzz phrase a, a few minutes ago. You, you said something about towing the company line. And what that uh, pointed out to me is that at the organization level, um, we don't really have the, the, the frameworks for organizations to, uh, to, to reinforce trust throughout, throughout the organization in general. Um, and, and that just reminds me that, that we act on what we can measure. And if we if we don't measure it, we're, we're not we're not going to change it. We can, we can measure stock price and revenue and and shareholder value. So so that's what we we, we tend to, to uh, value in in our uh, corporate interactions. But the, the best companies that I work with, they actually go out and they they measure the the temperature of the relationships throughout the organization, uh, often on an, on an annual basis. They'll 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 they'll, they'll do. Um, corporate-wide uh, surveys to get to get a sense of do you trust your leaders at this level and at this level and at this level and at this level uh, and do you do you trust that the company is going in the right direction and and do you trust that, that uh, your um, the, the the organization is letting you be your best self and is reinforcing you and, and is giving you the opportunities that you need to to, to really uh, do your best work and that sense of of being able to, of, of measuring that and then sharing those measurements uh, corporate wide, so that so we can say, hey, look, we're not doing as 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 well as we were last year. We want to fix this, and or 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 we really want to boost the, the, these numbers down here. Having that those metrics is is a key to cultivating the trust throughout the organization. As long as you take action and do something that you can tie back to it and really remind people that you're paying attention because I've seen those surveys done where there's not a true commitment to it and then they can really backfire. And, you know, I think, I think trust is a dynamic element in any organization and in order for people to follow you and, and um, feel inspired to take action, they need to trust that what you say is true. Your message might be great, but if they don't have an underlying belief in your integrity and also in your competence, I think trust comes from that combination of character and competence. And I think it's really important to recognize that, you know, especially in, in reorg situations, as things shift, you were saying it earlier, people have to reevaluate, you know, whether there's enough competence here and people have to establish their own credibility so, so others trust them. But, but metrics mean a lot in organizations and I think they do drive changes in behavior. So I, I, like, I like the idea that uh, that's gonna be a linchpin for some of the shift we're talking about. Well, and I, yeah. and I think, you know, the other thing that's important, and I mean, I, I did this in one of my jobs, it was, you know, I was in a position where I wasn't, I was the odd duck, you know, I, I didn't fit into any of the main categories in our company. Um, being in community building, it was like, where did you come from and what do you do? And, um, you know, what I did was I created those metrics for myself. You know, I started putting together reports saying what I saw, what was working, what wasn't working. And as a result of that, you know, I was very fortunate that I had two bosses, one in, you know, my original bosses. And then when I got promoted, my, my other boss, who, when he was questioned from the higher ups in the company, what the heck is Tim doing? They would say, don't worry about it. He's doing a good job. How do you know? Because he lets me know. And we know what he's up to. And so sometimes I think as employees, we always think it's the company's responsibility to tell us what metrics they want us to measure. And we have the opportunity sometimes to create 
the metrics that we want them to, to see us for and to know us for and to see what's possible. And so I think we don't always have to wait for things to come down. Sometimes we can push them up. Well, uh, I'm so glad you mentioned that, that Tim, because um, I've found ways and I've created tools to measure trust quantitatively by analyzing digital social media data. And, um, and, it, it, and I measure it weekly when I'm on a project because it's the way that we're able to gauge how effective we're being in our interactions with people. So um, I, I wanna highlight your remark there that, that don't wait, you, you can create your own metrics and you need to be able to show, for them to have validity, you need to be able to show how they work, what their mechanisms are, and to adjust them with impunity when you can improve them. I, I never know how this happens, but we're at the top of the hour. <laughs> and this has been just a, a delightful conversation and dialogue. And we did have a question from Singapore about the role of uh, trusted relationships and dialogue. So I think just watching this, you can get your answer. Um, and you can also, if you would like to know more, uh, follow up with uh, Chris and Amy and Brian and Tim uh, directly. Uh, the information will be provided and uh, have a great dialogue and build trust and maybe new relationships as well. Um, I love this topic because I think this is something that we struggle with quite a bit. And I loved the candor here of the stories and talking about intention and talking about teams and not just talking about um, the problems, but also looking at the opportunities and how we build trust because I know for sure that this is something our world needs desperately right now is more trusted relationships, more truth, more of us asking questions and more of us finding our voice. And this is why I love the Connectal channel and what has been created here. And I encourage you to go into conversations on the Connectal platform um, further on this and other topics that are available and really uh, dive deep into it. And, and it's up to each of us to go create the conversations and dialogue. So thank you everyone. Um, and I wish we can continue this conversation and I hope we will in other platforms in the digital public, Chris, and uh, on, uh, on other places that we can have honest, trusting and beautiful, loving conversations. Thank you, everybody. Mm -hmm.